Teaching to One, a podcast about education, teaching, and learning. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Is this happening now? I think this is happening now. Okay, I'm ready. What are we drinking this week? Mm. I've committed myself to learning to like seltzers. Hard seltzers, folks. Yeah. The, the only kind of seltzer that really matters. Well, you... Isn't that what Le Crouton is? Uh, La Croix is not a hard seltzer. It's just seltzer. I know it's not a hard seltzer. Yeah. You said seltzer. It's a, it's a flavored, sparkling beverage. Naturally, is that a seltzer? Naturally flavored. I think so. I don't know. I don't know. Now you put me on the spot. Well, I drink a lot of LaCroix, that's for sure. But today we're trying these truly lemonade. Lemonade. They're seltzers. good. Yeah. They're I like it. So they're far. tasty. It's very summery feeling to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we decided to stop dancing around the topic <laughs> that you don't want to talk about. I just it's hard to want to talk about what's going on in the world right now because it's depressing and we like to use this podcast as an avenue for doing something fun in the middle of depressing things yeah. sometimes or just you know doing something fun in general but um during I think the, we have to just admit that yeah it's a- i i we're, we decided to kind of address this and we hope a helpful way to teachers and students we're gonna talk a little bit about teaching and learning during this covid19 national emergency uh kind of global pandemic thing so we're going to kind of talk about just a lot of useful and helpful things and like innovative, cool stuff that has popped up and ways that school districts and universities and education professionals of all kinds and learners and families are all dealing with confronting education that is not happening in a school building. Because it's kind of a, an interest, it's an interesting and unprecedented event that we're witnessing right now in schools. So... Where are we now? What's the state of things? Kind of things are not great. States across the country, about how many of them? Have 42. Just, 42 are just what? Well, 42 have extended their school closure through the like remaining of the school year, whatever that might have been, like by state. So 42 states at this point in the year yeah. decided they're not going back. They're not returning for the 2019-2020 school year. Yikes. Yeah. That's a lot. I think Montana is trying to... To go back next yeah, week. Yeah, I read the governor up there was like, oh, you guys can decide on your own when you want to go back. Yeah, it if was you a little more. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're very freedom-loving up there in Montana land. I respect it. It's one of the most beautiful states in the Union, um, but they they do have some politics. I don't really know anything about their leadership as far as what uh, this would be like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the governor up there in Montana has decided that it's okay to let school districts decide when they want to go back. Yeah. Which is a little maybe risky. We're not sure how this is all going to play out. I'm kind of predicting that things are going to open too quickly uh, because people are itching to get back to work. Understandably, people want to get back to their normal lives, mm-hmm. which totally makes sense. Everybody wants to get back to their normal lives. But I think what's probably going to happen is we're going to do that too quickly. We're not going to do it cautiously enough and people yeah. are not going to. I don't know what Montana's numbers are like either. To can, well, there like, are like twelve people in all of Montana, so, so you know, maybe that's they can probably go back to school with the three of them that um, go to school. Don't they have one? I think they have one representative. I think, or is right. that Wyoming? Is there more than one? How many represent? Let's see. Uh, oh my gosh, it's that guy. That guy who punched a reporter or whatever. I don't know who this guy uh-huh. is for some reason. 
Gianforte or Gianfort or however mm-hmm. you say his name. Yes, they have. Okay, yes. Montana has one representative in the House of Representatives. So That's it's a very small place. It's very hard to like fathom. For such a big that. place, it's a really small place population wise. Well, it's represented. Yeah, very <laughs> true. They're represented by that guy who I'm pretty sure punched a reporter. <laughs> we probably I think that's that guy. Do some more work before we throw that out there. Uh, we can speculate wildly on this podcast, right? We're not purporting to be news. This is my favorite thing we've done. Uh, <laughs> what if that dude's just like really decent and one of our only like four listeners in Montana who's like, guys, I've been supporting you <laughs> since the beginning. I didn't punch a reporter. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> election eve assault on journalists okay in well, his wikipedia entry heck that guy then ben jacobs a political reporter for the guardian was covering the election reported to gallatin county montana sheriff's office that gian fort had assaulted him at his, the guy's bozeman campaign office after jacobs asked him a question concerning health care policy because nice. i mean you know we all get really mad about who that. doesn't want a health care policy <laughs> Jacob okay. said that Gianfort body slammed him. <laughs> okay, that's not punching. To the floor. <laughs> body, slammed. body slammed him to the floor and okay. broke his glasses. I'm no longer taking up for this. I'm sorry, Mr. Gianfort, that we are covering your misdeeds. <laughs> There's a I picture. Feel like he's is, got bigger the, problems and coverage he, than he us. Is a, he is a representative <laughs> right now in the house of representatives in congress and i'm looking at his mugshot on this wikipedia page okay oh he anyway got arrested for body slamming yeah, he got booked he got booked for assault this is my favorite thing i mean not for him he but, also um, apparently made misleading statements to the sheriff's office anyway that this is a digression but we are talking about montana and it's a uh, they're a freedom loving place and which is okay it's okay to love freedom and personal liberty that's fine but um, <gasps> We're gonna, but what okay. is happening is is probably going to be happening in a lot of places. They're yeah. opening up because they want to get back to work, and they're opening up schools at well, schools' discretion. And everyone are being extremely pressured as well. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on governments, state governments, and the federal government to to reopen things right now. Which again makes sense from an economic perspective. Might not make as much sense from a global pandemic yeah. perspective but we just don't know yet mm-hmm. but my prediction is that we'll open things too soon and everything will blow up again and we'll be back in quarantine mm-hmm. um which will make me very sad because i want my summer so anyway that's where we are people are trying to figure out m- most schools in most states have closed mm-hmm. um for the rest of the year ohio just closed last week yeah so that's kind of been in the news for us and we've had columbus has had quite a few protests as well regarding governor dewine and Right. That's been sort of interesting to watch unfold. But it's really put a lot of pressure. Um, I mean on all kinds of people, obviously, but especially on the education system. Yeah. I remember what it looks like. I remember you were talking about how some of your school leadership you know for a fact that they're just stressed to heck right now. Oh gosh, yes. I can't imagine trying to to manage a school district right now. Just the amount of outreach that districts that are shut down are trying to do with parents and students and Mm-hmm. how there's this kind of just total there's this totally unprecedented coordination of tech infrastructures that yeah. never had to happen before that just had to happen yeah. instantaneously i think that's where we see that that's just it like there's such a big push in education to have technology so we are swimming in technology as far as it's concerned like at, at least in my district i'm very lucky to have the support for technology but it's a completely different story to support technology learning outside of a classroom 
around the clock. Right. And it's that's one where... thing. <laughs> it's one thing when all your kids can hook yes. in their Chromebooks to the little designated storage container at the end of class yes. and make their way to and their next class. Literally see them. It's totally another thing yeah. when you have to manage who has access to devices that can be typed on yeah. and who has internet access. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- let's talk about some of the challenges sure. that districts and you personally have been facing. The, the first thing that I've seen was that so the week that we left, it was before St. Patrick's Day. There had been like rumors and talks about what Governor DeWine was going to do. There was, he had not declared anything, but we had a staff meeting and the staff meeting, our principal and our superintendent were both in there and they were just sort of like, think about what you would do. And it was very like far off. It felt like this weird thing that it was like a plan D. Think about what you would do if schools closed. Yeah. Like how would we, how would we function? Sure. And and then it was like a couple weeks. And so I left the meeting and I was like, oh, that's a weird thing. And I was, I was telling people like my parents and like other people, like I couldn't believe we were talking about it because I never thought it was possible. And so I didn't really do all that much (laughs) work in those few days leading up to it because I didn't know it was happening. Yeah. And then Thursday I left school. He called it off. So I had Friday with my kids and that was it. But in that time, our district was able to put together a survey to say, okay, who has um, internet access? Who has a device that they could work on? And so we did have those numbers pretty early on. And the numbers were low, like very low for our school size. Students who did not have internet access. It was less than, I think, 20, we could say confidently. Right. But so we left thinking, okay, our kids have access. Sure, they might have internet, but then what came to light was like, what does internet in rural Ohio look like for some people? And (laughs) technically, you have internet, but does it really work really well? Yeah, like, can you stream a video? The ISPs around here, the internet service providers are reliably terrible and they should be put out of business. They really should. Spectrum internet is just. Horrible. People cannot count on reliable internet mm-hmm. service from that ISP. But uh, anyway, I have a big so, problem. But with a lot big of kids left, but, yeah, feeling sure and confident that they would have the resources at home to do mm-hmm. it. And then when you get this video to watch, or you have to call on Zoom, whatever it might have been, or if your parents are trying to use the internet, yeah, if somebody's from working also, from home and we have one laptop, like they have a bandwidth intensive job, sure, and you only have rural Ohio internet. Suddenly, the internet you thought you had is not really the internet you need to get your work done. Yeah. So I left feeling pretty confident, I guess, is the only word I can keep using. But I, I felt sure that, you know, most of my kids could and would. And then the longer we've been out and now that we're not returning, it's just become so much more obvious how limited some of these opportunities are for some of our kids and just like what that means for a family with four kids Mm -hmm. how do we share yeah where do we you know some of the other challenges you were talking about is is the district is trying to figure out how to service kids with ieps and Mm -hmm. 504s and disabilities all kinds of Mm -hmm. challenges that are able to be met because they you know in a school building you have resources and places and you know people on the ground Mm -hmm. to confront um the you know just yeah. kind of confront that kind of educational environment same. how do you how do you service someone who is supposed to be having an aid with them basically every minute of the day yeah um to help them learn because they have some sort of 
you know, whatever, either disability or issue that prevents them from, Mm -hmm. you know, accepting information the same way other people do. How do you service people like that who are stuck at home? That's a question that I think people are still trying to figure out. How do you service people who split homes between mom and dad or divorce? That's the one I've had a lot. Oh, I'm going to mom's and she doesn't have internet or, oh, I'm with... Or my homework is at Tad's or... Yeah, I've heard that one. The computer is shared and Mm -hmm. I don't get to share. You know, Mm -hmm. all just all kinds of interesting challenges that have popped up. And I know that you all in your staff meetings have been talking about how to best deal with some of these issues, but there aren't, there aren't, we don't have good answers for what what happens when a kid just falls off the radar Mm -hmm. and they're not coming to school anymore every day. And this isn't just my school either. Like these questions and these answers are not only... (laughs) Like our what, problem. What is your responsibility as a teacher uh, or as a, I mean, not you personally, but as a, as a school district, what is your even legal responsibility mm-hmm. to a kid who just doesn't, is not responding to yeah. any of your, you know, online teaching stuff or anything you're trying to reach mm-hmm. out to parents. Nobody's what, what is legally, yeah. what are you? Some parents are hard to catch too. Right. And they don't want to be reached. A lot of them. I right. mean, I hate to say it that way, but. Yeah, we get all kinds of emails and phone numbers that go nowhere. So some of yep. them don't really want us to try to chat with them about what's happening either. So that's another problem. Though. All kinds of new and weird challenges mm-hmm. and issues that have yeah. come to light that people didn't really have to spend a lot of time thinking about before now. Yeah. And why would we? Yeah. Why would we ever when writing an IEP 504 or just my data that why would I ever think, you know what I should probably plan for? A once in a century event. Mm-hmm. How will I take my stuff online? Like mm-hmm. I've never. I mean, nowhere in college was it ever like you know what might happen. That was never a, a global pandemic. Yeah, like <laughs> even like doomsday scenarios were not right. that. <laughs> Talk a little bit, if you would, because I know this has been a very fraught topic for online teaching about grading policies mm. and uh, how the state just, of Ohio has yeah. left it open. Uh-huh. to district decisions. So there are districts that I know of that are doing pass-fail for the fourth nine weeks, which essentially means it's not a letter grade. It's just either you did it or you didn't. There's no in-between. There are schools giving letter grades up to the teachers, you know, based on what they believe is fair and reasonable. There isn't anything explicitly, there hasn't been, I should say, anything explicitly written by DeWine and the higher department of ed yet to kind of say this is exactly... Like it doesn't it doesn't seem like they're going to come out with a blanket that says this is how all public schools mm-hmm. are going to grade. Mm-hmm. So they've left it kind of up to us, which is good and bad. Part of me wishes that the state would have just said everyone's doing it this way. So we're all consistent, mm-hmm. like as a state for public high schools. But at the same I mean, I understand why they would want to give, you know, the yeah, opportunities. I think that would be impossible to do anyway, because some courses, even in a normal course load in a normal yeah. time of the year might be pass fail and mm-hmm. some might be grade based right so. and i think i mean i i understand that but part of me wishes that there is a way to say this is how we're going to you know what i mean just to because it's tricky it's very tricky and you know i my admin has been supportive in how we do the grading which i'm very thankful for but some of these decisions are hard to make when you've never had to be put in this situation before mm-hmm. and so i feel like i'm i'm doing the best i can but I still feel like, is this fair? Is this reasonable? Right. Is this what's right? You know, like, and that's good. I think teachers should be struggling with these things because I want to make sure I'm doing the best I can. But part of me just wishes they were like, this is what we're going to do. Right. And I'd be like, great, let's so do that. that. <laughs> so that the, some, you know, because some of these 
some of these decisions, they might seem like they're just kind of another small decision. No, some are high stakes them, for students. Yeah, some of them are high stakes, especially for graduating seniors um, mm-hmm. and for other students who are, you know, trying to manage college applications and scholarships and all kinds of yeah. things like that. There's There are things that are sort of the the normal way that things have always been done yeah. in terms of how same. to how to do college admissions based on grades that are just going to be have to be kind of suspended for this well and like one of the best examples of that is okay for a senior right if they get a pass fail let's say and it's a p so they pass the class that would affect their overall gpa that might change the standing of them being you know allowed into a certain program Mm -hmm. at a university they want Mm -hmm. to attend to next year or attend next year so these are the things that kind of have to come into play as far as like what we're thinking about like if it's reasonable or not it's a really, it's a sticky wicket, as you would say. It's a very sticky wicket. Bit of a sticky wicket. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the answer is. I don't think there is one. I don't think we should go searching for the one right answer, because I think every single classroom is going to look different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, but, how do you as a teacher feel about the sort of general effectiveness of moving your curriculum to this online, remote sending packets back and forth through yeah. the mail sometimes, all this kind of stuff? Yeah. How do you feel about I don't. How does it feel to you? <laughs> it, it, I miss my kids. I miss like the day to day. I miss my routine. I'm sure they do too. I've been hearing from a lot of them. They're overwhelmed, you know, because we, the the reason that I think sometimes public education like this works for students, especially in high school, is that when they come to my room, we've got 47 minutes of just English. So like that's our block of the day, and now they're being left all this free time, and there's no constraints, so to speak, of of like this is my English time or whatever. So. I think it's really hard. I don't think our kids have been built up in any sort of way to handle this successfully, if that makes sense. Like nothing about schedules of public schools has given them the support and structure they would need. The ability to self-manage. Right. I mean, that's kind of interesting to me to think about the weaknesses this is exposing in the public school system that we could do something to fix. Um, It's giving us a sort of unprecedented look, look into like these issues like you're talking mm-hmm. about like time management mm-hmm. apparently <laughs> we never would have known before because kids are either in school or not in school you yeah. know um now they're sort of in school but sort of not in school yeah. it's this weird in between thing where they're expected to manage their own time but th- i have students who have turned in late work to me now with no extracurriculars no nothing going on who had never turned in something late before mm-hmm. and who were two and three sport athletes and who were <laughs> in music or or whatever was taking up their time you know what i mean and like they were able to somehow understand their role at school and at home and at whatever practice they had and like what that allowed them Mm -hmm. but then now that all of these things have been sort of stripped from them it's like oh gosh it's tuesday and that was due yesterday and i have to send this day an email that's like oh (laughs) this happened you know what i mean like there's no but I, i but i it's hard for me to understand how because in my mind i'm like what are you guys doing? I mean, they have jobs. They've got all, they're they're taking care of siblings. They're taking care of family members. They're they're providing a lot of them. But it's also hard to be like, how are you so successful in all of these ways with a much more strict schedule mm-hmm. than what it feels now? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the other thing is that, like it does expose how schedules are good for students of that Absolutely. age, especially. Yes, and uh, me too. Yeah, holy cow, I'm thirty and I need it. Yeah, I'm having trouble keeping track of what day it is <laughs> a little bit right now. You don't even have your regular markers that kind of indicate 
oh, it's the weekend now because, mm-hmm. you know, churches are closed. And yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, I went out on a Saturday night because mm-hmm. it was a Saturday night yeah. or a Friday night because you don't go out. Yeah. The only thing that's really regular in my schedule is like a Monday meeting. It's, it's like <laughs> it for that's me. That's what <laughs> in revolves terms of rem- Remembering yeah. what day it is. Um, <laughs> is my Monday meeting today? No. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's interesting to see those things because I've talked to other teachers to be like, this kid never turns in late, you know, late work. Mm-hmm. And like, what is it now? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about how things might be done differently in the future, how they might have been able sure. kind of things we're innovating toward mm-hmm. now and cool things that are popping up um, in response to the way that we are dealing with. It's now just like some some hopes for the future, sure. some hopes for what it could have been, for what it should have been. I I think first and foremost, we have to address the issue of Internet connectivity being something that i mean it's it's essential to life you know what i mean like we're getting to a point where some of these families in all kinds of rural ohio there i mean i i can't imagine some of them trying to work from home let alone having to go to school from home and some of them that's their livelihood now and that's probably really exposing some weaknesses in these connectivity issues so i think that's something for the future that has to be thought about how do we make internet access more reasonable and better coverage and affordable, you know, all these types of things. Mm-hmm. I think that schools that aren't one-to-one on like a Chromebook right now, which means that every student would be yeah, some sort given of one device that they can work on, that they take to and from school. I think that schools might be considering those things more seriously now because then we could guarantee if something happened that they at least had a school-issued Chromebook to take home to work on and then it could be returned. Mm-hmm. Or, like, Columbus Public, I read about, is lending out their Chromebooks and Wi-Fi hotspots. So I think maybe that will also push for other districts, you know, to think about. To to whom? To their students. They're lending out. Columbus Public is lending out to some of their students who've inquired about it or said Uh that they need the Uh support. They've been lending out Chromebooks from the school with hotspots yeah i know that to try to encourage some library systems have been stepping in to do some of that sort of thing too yeah so i think that we're going to see more things like that kind of take shape um i think we're going to see more schools pushing for closer to -to one-to-one ratios if they're not already like my high school we're not one-to-one but we we would probably be close but we've never had to set up anything legally where we allow students to take these home and bring them back and the wear and tear and things like that. You and I mean, like when I was student teaching, we were one to one on the iPads, but there's insurance and things like that they had to pay to help cover the cost of the use. Sure. So I think that we're going to see a lot of schools looking into that kind of stuff. Technology policies. Yeah. Um, probably, I would guess, changing internet policies. I know that we've talked about this a little bit on the show before, but your some of your internet policies at your school are absolutely draconian about what you're allowed to look at, either for bandwidth reasons or just because somebody mm-hmm. decided sometime that they didn't like something on some website and therefore nobody is allowed to look at it. That kind I of stuff. I don't think it's like a personal vendetta against the history no. channel. It's blocks the ad content. Yeah, so sure. So like crap whatever, ads or what? Right. I mean, but I, I mean, all I'm saying is that I think that some of that probably will have to be reexamined. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe some of those restrictions will have to be, you know, retooled because if the only learning you're doing is online, you got to you got to start to consider mm-hmm. the trade offs of protecting students from whatever content you think yeah. is harmful versus making sure that they are able to just learn in the best way that they can learn. Yeah. I think the other thing we'll probably see, and this is something I've seen at my high school so far, 
we're going to see a greater push for more online learning during the school year so that we already have the habit, like the habits and the usage and things like that sort of established and understood. Mm-hmm. Because like for my class, I've had Google Classroom for years. We do all kinds of things online. So moving my stuff online was pretty easy as far as it goes. Mm-hmm. But we had tons of teachers on our last couple of days going, help me set up a Google Classroom. Right. How do I get kids enrolled? So it's somewhat easier for you because you'd already made yeah. the transition to doing some of the just the kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't want to say it's just like the mechanics of how you yeah. would collect work. You mm-hmm. moved some of that to your Google Classroom, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So that that was that's good. I'm, but I'm sure I know of you know just so many teachers. I mean, especially I'm thinking uh, too at like the college level. We'll talk about colleges here in a little bit. But at the college level, I, I just like I was reading about professors at Ohio State who just like they, you tell them they have to teach a class online and they just don't know what. To do, I mean, Ohio State is an interesting example because some of them are, of course, going to be on the bleeding edge of whatever educational technology there is. But some of them are just old school professors who want to teach the way they've always taught. And it's hard to get a college professor to change the way that they do yeah, something. Yeah, that's the same for any teacher. So, it's not just professors who are hard well, to change. We're talking yeah. about... We've got teachers in my district right now who are... This is their last year before retirement. Mm-hmm. You think they want to make that transition? Like, it's sure. not a matter of being... Like, college professors aren't anymore complicated to move online than a, I don't know. Yeah, no, I just think they're they can be somewhat m- more loudly opinionated just by the nature of the job that they have versus like a public school teacher who is maybe not even in a union district or whatever, you know. It's like you're in a slightly better position to advocate for what you want um in one of those scenarios than another, but that's all I was thinking about just but yeah, the the move for you didn't seem to be too difficult but i but i imagine that there are plenty who were struggling with that because they hadn't already set themselves up to be online yeah it's ugly i mean i but i'm learning a lot and i've had to reach out to people to be like i need to make a quiz on google form so what do i need to check and uncheck of these boxes so my kids aren't cheat you know (laughs) like and i'm google certified so it's not i don't know it's not easy for anyone no matter your age no matter your exposure no matter i mean it's, not, it's just not easy. And, mm-hmm. I, and I had to cut an entire unit that I would have gotten through by being in school with my kids. Yeah. So, like, we're all having to make these. And, I mean, like, Ohio got rid of the testing, which would have been, I think, last week for me anyways. So that was a blessing. But Right. The 10th grade standardized tests are what you're Well, all of them. About. Well, yeah. right, right. But the ones that you teach. Yeah, mine would have been 10th grade English. The only tested English. English testing. Yeah, yeah. So Ohio d- just decided, hey, we're just not doing testing this year, which has down the road complications attached to it because it affects possibly graduation and graduation rates. It affects teacher evaluations because that's how that stuff is done at the state level. It affects, I mean, I, I, mean, I keep thinking about the fact that this is going to, this isn't just a problem that's going to affect this year's graduating seniors. It's going to affect every single student who is in the public school system Mm -hmm. (laughs) until they graduate. They're going to have this weird semester on their, you know, on their grade cards to deal with. So this is going to be a problem that's going to last at least how we deal with it administratively is going to last for, you know, 12 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, not simple. I do want to hit just a little bit on colleges and universities and how they're dealing with this. I've been reading some kind of sad stuff about colleges that are even having to go so far as cease operations altogether, just close mm-hmm. down. Because, Urbana just closed. Right. Because of the 
the lack of clarity on whether or not we're coming back in the fall for some of these places. Mm-hmm. The fact that they had to close down for this semester. Um, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a lot. And we already have, it's you really know, difficult. declining college student populations right now because of just the fact that the incoming college population is just smaller than it, than it was mm-hmm. when we were in school. Sure. So we've got that compounded with, closures and people and some places just can't sustain all Mm -mm. of that all at once and they're just closing their doors yeah i think colleges are generally better equipped to to move people online because they have to do things like have technology infrastructure (laughs) mandated already in most cases uh so and a lot of colleges are doing we're doing probably online stuff even more aggressively than public schools were prior yeah. to now. So I mean most I mean most colleges I can think of were already offering some classes online. Right. So there wasn't right. a lot of I mean there was, don't get me wrong, but yeah. they already had some things established to allow for that. Yep. Yep. I just can't imagine like if colleges are virtual for fall semester or or whatever it's looking like. I know we're gonna get to that, but Ohio already has the problem of we have a lot of colleges. And so I think we're going to see fewer and fewer if this, you know, takes much longer yeah. to sort of. Sort I mean, out, I think I we can go ahead and talk about like looking ahead. We noted on this earlier, but it kind of seems like we might. There's a possibility that we open mm-hmm. up too early and have to go backwards yeah. a step. Well, colleges that I've been reading about, so like Ohio State and a few others. Um, so we're talking about much, much larger public, obviously. They're they're sort of already addressing it as if prepare. To, to think you might have to stay home and do another semester from wherever, you know, not on campus. So another semester of online learning, which I think for, for a university that large and for other large universities and just any size university or college, I suppose, too. I mean, they have to be thinking about this with, with students and with, I mean, we're talking about people who need jobs and things like that. Like not only the people who work at the universities, but, you know, like college students, like a lot of them get in on grants and whatever else with the that they will work this many hours or that they eat. like there's so many stipulations that mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's good of them to be thinking that way. I hate to think about what another semester of this would look like, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's wrong of them to start thinking. I mean, I guess. yeah. Do, do you uh, in your district, are you having conversations about what if? The fall semester. I mean, DeWine happen. is kind of already, Governor DeWine has already sort of just said, you know, there's a chance. We're thinking about it. Yeah. So I don't think there's any way to rule it out. Um, As far as like my specific district goes, I mean, we've asked and they've said, you know, we're trying to come up with a plan for that. But there's no, I mean, as far down as I am, I, you know, I haven't heard anything more yeah. of interest than that. But I think that if teachers right now are going to say, we're going to be back at the fall just like we normally are, like I... I don't think that's realistic right now. Yep. And it's not even May. And I don't think that's realistic in three months. I mean, I would like to go back and it'd be normal. But with the way that we can't have more than 10 people in a room and who knows, it'll grow to 50 people in a room based on these steps. But like, what's a lunchroom going to be like? Mm-hmm. So those are the things I'm thinking about. And that applies to college living as well. We're talking about dorms full of hundreds and, hundreds and thousands of kids in some places. So mm-hmm. I just don't see how it's possible unless there's you know, a shot that comes out very soon or something. Yeah, I just think we just, we can't say right now what the course of this thing is going to do over the next couple months. Mm-mm. I just don't think we know. I agree. Let's but talk- it's not bad to plan, just in case. Sure. Or think about it. Yep. Uh, let's go down the list and sort of hit on some of the resources that you mm-hmm. use and other ones that you've heard of that are These useful. Are, yeah, we just, I just kind of threw together a list of things that I've heard of. My 
colleagues and stuff like that talking about or people online that I'm friends with, I suppose, too. The biggest one right now, I think, is Google Classroom and all things of the Google Suite for educators. It can do a little bit of everything. And they also just made Meet accessible for larger numbers. And so that's something that now, like, my school is a Google school. Uh-huh. Meet so is the video conference. It's like their Zoom. Yeah, it's right. like their group video conference. So that's something that's come out. And then forms I mentioned earlier, just briefly. But it's a really great way to create online tests and quizzes. And then Zoom, obviously, is the biggest one right now, even though Everybody's they're full of privacy about. issues, maybe. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they're Zoom bombing. There are some serious privacy concerns with Zoom. They're, Zoom's scrambling to try to address them, but there have been all these other competitors that have popped up, Microsoft Teams, and I mean, I use Slack for work, yeah. and Skype, and Facebook has a new product out. Like, I don't think Facebook's privacy record is all that much better than Zoom, no, quite frankly, say. but... Um, <laughs> But there are alternatives to that. So Zoom and competitors like it if you're interested in, in yeah. video conferencing technology. Like you were talking about Google Meet again, you mm-hmm. know, there's going to be privacy concerns with any of these major platforms. There but, are. Um, and I think that Zoom, not that I'm going to like take one for Zoom here, but like they really got thrust onto this national stage very quickly Yeah, <laughs> in a way that uh, no one anticipated. So for them to have to come scrambling to talk about their privacy, any any big Video conferencing, you know, anyone would have been scrambling in that moment. Right. So, right. There's another site that a lot of my coworkers talk about, and it's called Schoology. And every time I've talked to someone who has used it, they describe it as basically a Facebook, but for educators, as far as like running a classroom. It is something that I think you have to pay for after so much use. So that's something to think about. Um, But Schoology has partnered up with, it looks like they can actually use like OneDrive, Google Drive, Khan Academy, Infinite Campus. Like, so they've really branched out to kind of, you know, attach themselves with all these other things educators are using. But I do have coworkers who use it, who like it a lot better than Google Classroom. Mm-hmm. But like I said, never used it. Can't vouch for it. Membean is my one true love of education. Yeah, I know. talked about them before. But they made it all free You're right now. Fan. They made everything free for educators. That's great. So they've been pushing to try to get out into more classrooms. Um, it's one of the best vocabulary websites I've ever seen as far as usage and growth and things like that. And my kids, I think they would say that they don't like it, but they do. And every time we read a Membean word, they get excited and tell me it's a Membean word, which means it's working. So I'll take that as a victory. But Membean right now is free. So if you are especially 7 through 12 ELA, that's somewhere you should go. English. Yeah. Language arts for our listeners. Um, teachers pay teachers. I'm, I have a love-hate relationship with this website. I think that they can have some really great stuff. I do think that. But and I like the concept. I like it. Yeah. I do like the fact that you can support teachers by buying things that actual teachers would use and right. not just whatever some random textbook has put out that's like this goes with page 30 like the concept is that teachers put create their own lessons other digital resources and put them online you can buy a unit you can buy a chapter whatever you can literally find everything on there but what's been happening and this is kind of funny but (laughs) teachers will have been assigning tpt like assignments and it usually like obviously on the bottom of whatever the website or, or i'm sorry on the the handout it'll say like who the credit goes to mm-hmm. so we've had students go on the teachers pay teachers and buy the unit and get the answer key oh and start submitting the work after they bought the answer key that's a problem <laughs> yeah um but it's still a good website it's worth supporting other educators and a lot of things you can find for free on there they anyways. gotta figure out a way to deal with that that's 
that's a funny problem. Well, but you just have to use a I don't actually I don't even think you have to use like a school Gmail or like a school email to sign into it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just anyone can buy it, obviously. So kids will go on and anyways, okay. It makes me laugh. The next one is Remind. I've talked about Remind before, but it's an easy way to connect with students and parents very quickly over text that's not your cell phone number and also tracks the replies and involvement of people in it. So it's very secure for teachers to have to have even one-on-one conversations. It's far less risky than like giving a teenager your cell phone number right. to text them. Dangerous. Um, and Remind is free uh, with a limited use. So I've never had to purchase more, um, but it can be, I'm pretty sure, expanded. Flipgrid is something that I just got introduced to, and it's a way to, our high school French class has been using it, and it's a way to create videos and post them and share them in a way that just your group is able to see them. And so uh, the some of the French students and the NHS students got to create little videos for teachers, and they posted on a Flipgrid, and they could share the link with us. So we could only see these certain videos by our students, and they were like, to us. But the teacher that uses this was telling me that it's a way that they can kind of have, especially for French, obviously, conversations and discuss things and whatever. And it's a little bit less intimidating to try to talk on like a video conference call. Um, It -hmm. allows them as many opportunities as they need to record exactly what they want to say and then post it into a shared, you know, space. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of cool. And then the last thing I'm going to plug is J.K. Rowling announced that the British red version of Harry Potter book one is available for free on Audible right now. And so you can get on there and download it and listen to book one. And in a very British way. In a very British way. And that's important because they're the American version, we have a different speaker on our Audible for Harry Potter books. But book one is available for free right now, which I thought was really incredible of JK Rowling to make sure happened. Um mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, who doesn't want to re-listen to or reread Harry Potter? So that's just a little one. But also in the notes for the show, um, on the website, you'll see I attached, I found a website today that was really great that broke it down to all kinds of online reading, learning resources for free. And it's broken down between K through fifth grade and then sixth through 12th grade. So make sure you check that for more. But these yep. are just a few of the, you know, the big ones right now. Let's click that in the show notes. Yeah. Did you have anything else you want to add about online learning that came to you after the fact that you feel strongly about? I think that, again, I, like I was saying before, I think this has exposed some weaknesses that have been in our educational infrastructure for a while that we mm-hmm. just haven't, it hasn't been a priority to deal with <laughs> yet. Sure. That I that I hope moving forward will be more in the forefront of problems that we need to solve uh, for students, especially the internet age having connectivity is again, a big one for me. And like you said, it wasn't a big, as big of a problem as you thought at first, but now it's proving to be a little Mm -hmm. bit more of a problem. So, you know, you only had 20 people say they don't have internet, but it turns out actually Mm -hmm. uh, the internet quality of the internet is a really big deal for a lot of these services especially video conferencing you know you can't Mm-mm. you can't do video conferencing unless you've got significant bandwidth you know you mm-hmm. got to have okay you have the internet but do you have enough of a plan that allows you to stream video so that kind of thing just making sure that i i, I really think that internet connectivity is almost on the level of what should be protected as like a, a right that's, uh, i mean that's almost, kind of where i am as well almost just just because in my mind the way you get information in this age there's so much and again there are a lot of dangers that come with it too it's not like the internet is a some sort of miracle fix all thing but um 
but but having internet <laughs> actually access, the, o- the the opposite sometimes right right <laughs> but having internet access in in this era is i think just a sort of fundamentally important mm-hmm. thing that opens up so many avenues to people that they, they should just have they should you should just have that information at your fingertips if you want it so anyway that's that's been kind of my no i was just curious thing. if you had anything else you wanted to toss in there because i know it's it is it's it's really difficult and there's yeah. no yeah that's my problem with it is that i haven't really been down in the trenches so i i can kind of just watch sure. from the sidelines and be like well that was problematic or that was great or <laughs> this whatever is bad but, but, <laughs> yeah but yeah. i mean and again i can speak to some of the kind of the technical challenges of mm-hmm. internet stuff and things like that because that's more my domain but um sure but i think that uh i think a lot of this just needs to be about supporting our teachers and our students right now and i agree you know, re- relaxing well, restrictions and other and kinds teachers of are doing a great job, mm-hmm. and parents are doing a great job. Everyone's trying, man. I've read so many posts recently about parents, people I know, people I don't know, just being like, "I, I'm quitting homeschooling." Yeah, and I can't imagine how hard it would be to have multiple, even one, but definitely multiple kids at home to try to, you know, tackle this with, especially if you're working from home or you're not getting paid, whatever, right? But um. Man, like we're just we're trying to make that gap as small as possible. Right. And that's the bottom line. Like the gap to next year is larger already than it has ever been before, essentially. Yep. And we're just trying to bridge it. We're trying to make sure the seniors are ready to be whatever they are going to be next. And that the rest of them coming back to us are in a good place to, you know, be as successful as possible. Yep. And that's hard. It is. Okay. So fill in the blank time. Oh yes, fill in the blank. Our new favorite portion of the show. We've been sending out stickers. We have been sending out stickers to our listeners who are writing in uh, hello at 16to1.com, uh, the answers. We have a competition between a couple of our of our most yep. couple of our most dedicated listeners to try to see who can get in the right, <laughs> they would qu- be flattered the right answer to the questions first. Um, <laughs> it's been fun to watch that. But we realized last week, the last episode, sorry, we realized we didn't tell you the answer to the questions that we were asking, and we should probably do that if we're going to do a question and answer thing. Um, so we're going to do that. Probably. Maybe make we'll sure think about we, it. <laughs> we're going to make sure we answer the previous episode's question in the next episode. So we have two to catch up on Catch up on from mm-hmm. that first time. The, the first question that we asked about was uh, about the YMCA. We asked what the year was the year of its founding and in what country it was founded and that was 1844 in england 1844 in england for whatever reason i always thought the ymca was an american thing probably because of the song i don't know but uh yeah the village people really did that to you yeah, didn't they i think they did <laughs> and okay then, last last yes. episodes yes was about shakespeare Yes. And the name of his acting company. So what was it? That was the acting company he belonged to for most of his life. And that was called The King's Men. That was the name of the acting company, The King's Men. And this week, we went back and did a little research because this um, distance learning has been going on a whole lot longer than we thought it had. Yeah. This actually shocked me because I was Googling it just to be snarky. And then I was like, what am I reading? Yep. (laughs) So this week, the question is... In 1892, this American institution became the first to offer correspondence courses. So what was that American institution? Uh, I thought you had something really I thought I was going to say something. I thought I was going to say something really cool, but I didn't. (laughs) Same. That's me in the classroom every day. Correspondence courses. That was almost really cool. (laughs) The end. (laughs) I had something brilliant in my brain, and then it just died. Okay. All right. So what did we learn this week? 
I, I'm going to let you start, but okay. I'm going to jump in. Oh, oh, okay. You want to talk about because what I Because I this wanted week? this one. <laughs> yeah, we, we watched a really great French film called Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, it's on Hulu. It is on Hulu. It just you can rent it on YouTube. Recently came out. Yep. It'll um, be out June 20 something on DVD, I think. Yeah. Something like that. 23rd, maybe. It's really good, though. I'm a, I'm a sucker for French films because I like sad, very beautiful things. And that's what the French are known for. I don't know. I mean, it's sad and beautiful. What can you can't argue with that. But I'm getting a look right now. But um, anyway, so this is. Okay, Toby. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> we're watching The West Wing and I get compared to Toby a lot because I'm a grumpy grouch. Um, <laughs> I don't. I really don't want to give away too much of what happens. Ugh in the film so good but it is very good and it's just very it's visually quite stunning the colors are just i'm not like i want to take that whole palette and like repaint my right i think probably special attention was paid to that the composition of a lot of those shots especially those outdoor ones because it's about a a painter so so i think there's a lot of and there's not a lot of music but the music that is is just It's in the top 10 movies I've ever seen. Yeah. I'm already tossing it up there. And I haven't stopped thinking about it in like four days. It's a great film. Um, So other than just learning about that film and enjoying it, one thing that I picked up on after the fact when we were doing some reading about this is that, and this is something to watch when you you watch through the film, but there, there are two main characters in it. And without giving a lot away, they, they become close, but they don't until the very 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 end of the movie they're they're using um the formal vous in french to address one another the very very end of the movie they switch to toi is it one of them says return toi to the other one and it's that it's this kind of thing that we don't have in english but that exists in a lot of other languages about having this formal address and in, informal address and switching from one to the other is a kind of momentous event that only happens in languages that have that kind of thing attached to them so it's it was a really cool moment learned about it really enjoyed the film definitely watch it it's you know not something to sit and watch with your kids because it's a little bit pg-13 ish but um <laughs> it's more than pg-13 okay don't do that maybe r rated probably there's um, nudity so just don't. Yeah, yeah i guess there is nudity i forgot about that but so just keep that in mind but it's a great film we really well enjoyed. i chelsea had a little bit of an edge on me because she isn't fluent in French, but she understands it. Wouldn't you say how much? Like, what percentage of that movie did you get without reading the subtitles? I, I can. So I took a because I was at like zero percent without subtitles. Yeah, so. I took a lot of French in high school and took some French in college, and I could understand. I, I'm at this point in my life, I've forgotten how to speak most of it, so I would struggle if I were stranded in France somewhere. But I can, <laughs> I can still understand a lot of it when I hear sure. it. So I mean, you know. So you I had could, that going for you. Right. I and I didn't. understand a lot of the things without having to look at the subtitles. So that was nice. Yeah. Because um, I was like reading the whole movie. Right. But I I messaged our, the French teacher at my high school and I was like, oh my gosh, because she loves this kind of stuff. And I was like, we watched it, all of this. And she sent me an article about that, what you just described. And I was talking to Chelsea and she was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't get that because I can't hear it so (laughs) what do you mean yeah but um so beautiful and even though i don't speak a lick of french it was still incredible so well worth it yeah and what did you learn this week i i'm gonna do just kind of a local shout out if that's okay for what i learned this week sure my hour i'm gonna go ahead and say it's yours now too one of our favorite bookshops is called the book loft it's in columbus ohio and it's a great 
not small. It's like 32 rooms, 33 rooms. And it's sprawling. It's ridiculous. It's in the German village. It's one of our favorite places to stop and get lost in for hours because that's how you have to maneuver through it. But anyways, they're obviously closed and we're trying to support local. And although I do love my Amazon and everything else, I'm trying not to buy books from Amazon right now because I'm trying to support these places. So if you're looking for a great deal, the Bookloft has on their website an option to buy what's called the Malamarcus box. And you pay a flat rate and they ship it to you. And in the notes, you just tell them a little bit about what type of reader you are. And then they put together a box of, you know, equal value, essentially. They send you a tote, like a tote bag, and they mail it to you. And so yesterday, Chelsea and I, we got our first one. We kind of split it a little bit. And I got two really exciting true crime books that I can't wait to read. And a couple of young adult literature books that I can't wait to read and try to tell my students about. And Chelsea got, what was yours? I asked for, I, I said I liked philosophy and science fiction stuff. And the one. You got that Good Omens. Yeah, yeah. That one looks kind cool. of fantasy, science fiction, and philosophy is what I asked for. They, yeah, they sent Good Omens. It's the, isn't that Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman? Yeah. I think. It's an um, Amazon yeah, TV show right yeah, now. Yeah, it's a TV show. They're turning it into a TV show. But they also sent, um, I have a bunch of versions of Plato, and but this one was really cool because they sent me uh, the philosophy request. They sent me uh, like a pocket edition of Plato's Collected Works, but it was it was edited by Scott Buchanan, who is one of my. I didn't even know this existed before they sent it to me. So it's he's one of my intellectual heroes. He's the founder of my college, among other things. Um, so that was kind of a cool and unexpected little surprise. Yeah, but yeah. And then I got I and Thou, Martin Buber. And- mm-hmm couple of other books that i didn't yeah. i hadn't about heard of alice? before yeah it's called alice it's about kind of a play on alice in wonderland i can't remember the other one i think zeros and then one other i can't remember one. yeah anyway they look really cool kind of science fiction fantasy yeah. stuff and i'm excited to check that out so anyways if you're looking for some books for the quarantine for the summer whatever i would recommend getting on the book Loft's website or their facebook or their twitter to get that link go to their site now you can buy books directly from them and not buy this box. But this box was a really cool way to support them. And it got us probably some books we wouldn't have picked up mm-hmm. on our own. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was well worth the the price. So it's a good way to support local for sure. Absolutely. Anything else? I think that's it. That's a wrap. Okay. See right. you next time. Next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for supporting 16 to 1. We're trying to grow our audience, so please check us out at 16to1.com, all spelled out, and tell your friends about the show. On our website, you can find links to follow us on social media, an archive of all our old episodes, and a contact form where you can get in touch. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next show. This is episode 9!